Section forty five, volume three, chapter eleven of Mrs. Armitage or Female Domination by Mrs. Gore. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Helen Taylor. Chapter eleven. Les circonstances ne font rien. Le caractère fait tout. Benjamin Constant. But Marian's thoughts and cares were about to be diverted into a very different channel. On their arrival at home, instead of interesting herself in the state of Mr. Dyke Robsey's appetite, her attention was arrested by a letter lying on her table, in Arthur's handwriting, a letter with a black seal, announcing his own wretchedness and their mutual bereavement. Sophia was gone from them for ever and this was marian's first familiarization with the pangs arising from such a state hitherto her happy circle of family affections had remained sacred and unbroken she knew not of death or of the grave save as the general doom the eventual and far-off sentence of frail mortality but the lesson the fearful home-withering knowledge was come at last and the dearest and best the young and fairest was the first to be called away she should see her no more from whose lips she had culled precepts of wisdom words of consolation the voice was silenced for ever whose soft endearments had seemed to render the lofty chambers of holywell less dreary and the one flower the one frail flower which had ventured to spring beneath the inauspicious influence of the frowns of mrs armytage was withered into nothingness all henceforth was desolation in the prospect the mild mediator was departed little harriet had lost her gentle champion arthur his pacificator marian her friend what wonder that the tears should fall for her child for her husband for herself her kindly-natured companions were far from jealous of her grief right well did they understand that their marian must be deeply touched by her own and her husband's loss they even mourned themselves that one so good and unoffending should have been so early called away one who had been a friend to their dear girl in troubles of her own one who had won even the rough heart and careless eye of jack baltimore by her courtesy of nature poor sophia armytage who did not mourn for her who did not feel that in her they had lost a friend arthur's letter written under all the heart-rending poignancy of his first bursts of grief contained little more than the intelligence of his sister's death the following day brought particulars the day again following an admission of his discontents against his mother his dissatisfaction that he had not been earlier summoned his belief that sophia had been harshly dealt with at first he had announced to marian that the funeral would take place at holywell and begged her to hold herself in readiness to join them there as it was his desire that his wife should pay the last respect of following his sister's remains to the grave a desire in which marian heartily acquiesced 
but he was soon forced to inform her that mrs armytage decreed it otherwise and that she had even expressed a positive interdiction well never mind my dear child do not cry and never mind expostulated her mother and aunt let us forgive her for thwarting you in this particular since she has condescended to consent that you should pass the winter with us in town and marian did suspend her tears for her last letters from arthur conveyed the intelligence that immediately after the melancholy ceremony at holywell he would rejoin her at scarborough but when he made his appearance how unlike his former self haggard broken-hearted haunted by agonising reminiscences and above all by the painful conviction that he had not sufficiently interfered to screen his patient submissive sister from the despotism of his mother arthur could not forgive himself his feelings became now for the first time really embittered against mrs armytage all that lady laura had betrayed or urged produced a fearful effect in his bosom all that he knew all that he apprehended of his mother's undue control over the destinies of sophia of sophia her victim of sophia whom her imperious egotism had consigned to the grave filled him with horror and disgust the robseys and baltimores had prepared themselves to find him dejected and unhappy they were almost terrified to see him so fearfully excited but warm-hearted people as they were not one of them but entered kindly and affectionately into his feelings how much more then into those of their dear marian on perusing that last farewell letter traced by sophia armytage with a faltering feeble dying hand replete with the kindest instructions the fondest care for her happiness the most yearning tenderness for her little nieces with indistinct allusions to the arbitrary temper of her mother and to the necessity that those over whose destinies she exercised an influence should not only study her varying humours but keep in view that they were secondary to the suggestions of a strong mind governed by conscientious motives she implored marian to be indulgent and forbearing with mrs armytage to be unto her as a daughter to be unto her alas as she had ever been again she entreated her and with what affectionate and sisterly warmth to put her whole trust and confidence in lady laura greta explaining in fullest detail the position of her friend relative to arthur and appealing to her own good sense and womanly feeling whether it were kind whether it were delicate to resent against lord rotherham's daughter a boyish preference long since merged in the tenderest affection for herself sophia did not even forget to notice in that last and most melancholy page the ungraciousness testified by her mother towards the family of marian she prayed them to be merciful she prayed them to be clement and to forbear from impressing hereafter on the minds of arthur's children their own feelings of resentment against mrs armytage 
who could resist such an appeal coming as it did from the cold hand of the newly dead from the warm heart of sophia armytage her mother alone perhaps might have received it in haughty silence but the tears of marian and of her family fell fast and with all their hearts and souls did they sympathise in the grief of arthur on the loss of such a sister and promised to fulfil to their utmost to their very utmost the injunctions which the dying angel had deigned to unfold jack baltimore was away to newcastle races or a leith november meeting or the fates and the jockey club knew where but his wife and the robseys promised and vowed in his name and their own that whenever henceforth they felt inclined to resent the vagaries and insolence of the overbearing mrs armytage they would think upon her mild considerate daughter and forbear meanwhile the depression of arthur's spirits was such as to alienate both marian and himself from intercourse with their most intimate acquaintances arthur wholly absorbed in his own sorrows marian in those of arthur nor would even the robseys hear of admitting visitors under such painful circumstances no exception was made in favour of lord wildingham or the spaldings the little family party remained mournful and apart already too they were preparing for their departure from scarborough the middle of november had arrived sea fogs had enveloped the castle hill the town was growing gloomy the yorkshire families belonging to hunting neighbourhoods were gradually dispersing and above all parliament was about to assemble for a fortnight's dispatch of business previous to the holidays now the meeting of parliament even for the ceremony of prorogation was the dear delight of poor little jacob dyke robsey's existence not the finest day sport of the hunting season the noblest burst the most famous run was to the keenest sportsman half so inebriating a pleasure as to him the sight of the black rod summoning his majesty's lower house to the bar and presence of the throne on the present occasion too the joy of his prospects was doubled for arthur armytage and his wife had promised to accompany them to london share his parliamentary feasts and even become inmates of his house in portland place for arthur was too hurt at heart to be sensitive to the yoke of conventional thraldom he had neither thought nor care for the vulgarity or impropriety of marian's relations and even had he found leisure to regret the occasional flaming forth of their original sin had too much confidence in his wife's amended knowledge of the world and acquired self-possession to apprehend that she would either commit herself or stand committed by the folly and ignorance of other people in forming these plans moreover he believed himself to be strictly fulfilling the wishes of his mother mrs armytage had said nothing had hinted nothing to unsay or unhint her original expression that she concluded her daughter-in-law would pass the winter with her family and arthur and marian did not dream of gainsaying her implied opinion they felt at liberty to dispose of themselves and rejoiced that they had found so agreeable an opportunity of employing their disengaged time but these illusions were too agreeable to last 
three days previously to their intended departure for town arrived a letter from dr grant stating that mrs armytage was evidently impatient of their prolonged absence that although she had judged it unnecessary to proclaim her change of views it was clear she expected that arthur and his wife would pass the winter with her at holywell your mother has suffered severely though silently in health wrote the good man and is greatly changed in appearance it is not good for her to be alone it would be unkind my dear arthur were you to visit upon her at the present juncture any dissatisfaction you may even justly entertain take pity then on her infirmities of disposition send your wife and child quickly to bear her company and as soon as parliament is prorogued come among us again forgiving and affectionate as ever if you feel inclined to be resentful reflect for a moment upon the void created in my poor friend's existence by the loss of such a daughter and i am convinced you will not hesitate to do your full part for her consolement nevertheless arthur did hesitate the thought of again inhabiting holywell sickened him to the soul nor could he reconcile himself to the idea of inflicting so severe a disappointment upon his patient wife but marian was the first to urge him to compliance with the request of dr grant and put forward his mother's claims in so strong and sacred a light that resistance was impossible appealing to him in the name of sophia she cited the words of his dying sister's letter to soften his heart towards one whose own heart alas remained unsoftened alike by prosperity and adversity by tenderness or bereavement and now strange as it appeared to people so straightforward as the baltimore tribe there remained the difficulty of announcing their intentions to mrs armytage the difficulty of announcing that they had resigned their own projects and thwarted their own inclinations solely with a view to her comfort for it was felt to be a difficulty she was a woman to whom it was not at all times possible to concede even her own will unless the compliant could be assured that the mode of the concession was exactly to her taste from dr grant therefore arthur exacted the kindness that he would acquaint his mother with their intention to revisit holywell whenever their presence was likely to be agreeable to her feelings for once the answer was prompt and rational she wrote in her own name and with her own hand to assure them that they could not return too soon solitude had perhaps rendered mrs armytage more reasonable she wished them to be with her and owned it cordially she even alluded and for the first time with a semblance of real kindness to their little girl made many inquiries after her grandchild and expressed a desire to see it once more at holywell all this was better than arthur had expected at her hands and he began to rejoice at the resolution he had taken and to feel grateful to dr grant for his interposition marian and her relations consoled themselves with the certainty that she was doing no more than what was right by her mother-in-law no more than they should have exacted under similar circumstances 
and a promise was interchanged among them that her visit to town should only be deferred till the spring eager to be at holywell so as to admit of arthur's passing a whole day with his mother previously to setting off to rejoin the robseys marian was compelled to quit scarborough without even a farewell interview with the spalding family she knew from the gossiping of her mother and aunt that they were still there grievously disappointed by the absence of the duke of wetherby and the lomax marscourts the latter of whom were reported by the newspapers to be figuring in great splendour at brighton while lord wildingham was said to be off to melton and the marinhams hopeless of relief for their invalid to the grange mrs dyke with all her predilection for bathing-places was forced to admit that scarborough was empty cold and disagreeable and the moment the travelling carriage of mr and mrs arthur armytage drove from the door was quite ready to enter her own and take her departure with little jacob her sister and her sister's little jack for what the york paper described as her splendid mansion in portland place End of volume three chapter eleven